I have the privilege of introducing our speaker. And I have something here, but I really don't want to introduce him in such a way as if he's a guest. He's not a guest. He's family. And so I was going to use your biography, but I'm not going to use that. Patrick, come on up, brother. Y'all welcome Patrick Kitely to the stage. Bless you, brother. Love you, too. Just let God use you, brother. But before you do, introduce your family to us. Amen. Amen. What's up? How you doing? F, what is it? FFC, Freedom Fellowship Church. We give honor to the Lord and honor to the move of God that's in this house. There's something happening here. We can, as prophetic people, always be talking about something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. But I have an announcement for you. It's happening. It's happening. Pastor Jeff sent me a video of some testimonies that were given last week. And it's not something that's about to happen. It's happening. Amen? And so what an honor and a privilege to be here. First of all, I just want to give honor to the, the daddy and the mommy, <laughs> the papa and the ma of this house. We love pastors Harold and Mary Lou. Amen. And when he uh, reached out and said, would you come? I was like, I will move whatever I need to do to get to San Angelo to Freedom Fellowship Church. Amen. And so what an honor and privilege to be here. But we honor them. We rise up and we call them blessed. And also want to say um, happy Father's Day to all the dads. All the dads, stand up. I just want to see all the fathers. How many fathers are in this room? Amen. Come on, let's give the fathers a hand. Men of God, we rise up and we honor you. Thank God for each and every one of you and your family lines that you represent is powerful. And uh, I brought my family line with me. Um, this is my very first Father's Day since my father passed October, so I passed October 29th. And uh, so this is quite a day. Uh, feeling the weight definitely and the memory of him and uh, what a mighty man of God he was and uh, what a word that he had in his mouth and uh, I just I miss my daddy but uh, <laughs> but uh, just rise up and bless him and the memory of him and we got the family line in fact I'll start over here too uh, a father-like figure in my life is with me here today too he is uh, a been a pastor and a Dean of Bible College and many things, but Dr. Russ Boats, my uncle, is here with, with us here today. And uh, stand up, Dr. Dr. Russ Boats. And uh, I thank God for you. And uh, my, when, I, when my dad was sick and when he was traveling, we would stay at his house and he'd sing and worship and play the guitar and speak the word of the Lord and scripture and everything. I thank God for the heritage. Also, I have my family with me, the whole family, for the very first time here. And I've come here a few times now, but 
I've had my wife, I had a couple here and there, but we got everybody, so it's nice. And uh, so my wife, Marlena, is here. Stand up, honey. Stand up, Marlena. And uh, she's, I think I've told you before, she's a Schindler, so her great-great-uncle was Oscar Schindler of Schindler's List. And uh, so we have this wonderful connection with the land, the holy land, and, uh, and the family, and it's so fun to go over there. We have to go, we have to go now. Pa- after COVID, we got to go over there again. But uh, also have uh, my eldest daughter, first time to San Angelo, and her husband, uh, Haley and Gabriel uh, Trevino, if you can stand as well. And uh, <laughs> this, is, this is my baby girl who God has called her to be a prophetic voice in mainstream music. Not, not just in the Christian world, but in mainstream. And the Lord's given her uh, a great wide and effectual doors to affect the, the mountain of arts and entertainment. And, uh, and so the Lord's just opened, even this week, open amazing doors and uh, just thank God for, for what God's doing in them. And uh, then my son, Zach, is here. And Zachary Patrick David Kitely. He got, he not only got my middle, my name, but he also got my dad's name, so we just put it all on him, Zachary Patrick David Kitely, and uh, so he's turning 20 uh, July 1st, and uh, thank God for him, he's also in the music industry, and then, um, and then my baby, we, we're here celebrating, because we got, we have like, I don't know how many, like 12 or 15 or 20 relatives here in San Angelo. And uh, as well as I have other relatives, and I have like hundreds of relatives as well in San Angelo. But we're here celebrating her birthday. She's turning 13 this week. And so this is Hope <laughs> Kitely, and, uh, and thank God for her. I call her Dazzle. And she's the girl who, when she was four years of age, we were at Macy's. And my wife has a, a shopping anointing for some reason. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's an anointing because she's into sales. And so I thank God for the sales. And uh, how, many, how many know what I'm talking about? All right, we gotta, gotta get a deal, right? And uh, so she always tells me how much I save, but I just said, well, how much did we pay too? But uh, that's an ongoing thing. And all the God's men said, amen, right? You know what I'm talking about. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, we were in a store, and uh, she was about four years of age, Hope, and we were at Macy's, and my wife was trying something on, and so we went, her and I sat in the little waiting spot area, and there was a mirror there. And she walks up to the mirror, and she puts her hand on her hip, and she says, I look good. And I laughed, and she said it so loud so everyone could hear it in the whole, whole section. People were laughing. I laughed. I said, oh, my gosh. I was like, where did you get that from? And then I was like, you know what? I said that. <laughs> I told her she was beautiful. And I told I, you know, I always believe that telling my daughters that they're beautiful so that then some two-bit slappy, happy Chris Brown don't come by and tell them they're beautiful and sweep them off their feet. You know what I'm talking about? And when they tell them, they're not impressed by them trying to, you know, sweet talk them because their daddy already told them, gave them their identity. Yes, you are beautiful. Amen. And so, and so I, I, I thought that was cute. She just like, I, I look good. And I was like, you go, girl. You know what I'm saying? Something's happening in this atmosphere. Whew. I was in the worship. I have, I have a scripture, one scripture 
And uh, well, let me start before I got into worship. We're driving the car here. Pastor Jeff patiently, gracefully asked me for a sermon title yesterday, and I couldn't come up with anything. That's sometimes how you have this prophetic, I don't know what it is, pause, freeze, block, mental block. <laughs> and I, I knew what we were talking about. I just couldn't come up with this phrase. And so we're driving here to church this morning, and my son-in-law's driving, and Gabriel, the angel, and uh, the messenger, and uh, he, he I, I'm talking about, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to talk about Father Abraham, and, uh, you know, because one of the things, that when I think about my dad, he loved Abraham, and it's Father's Day, and there's a progenitor, there's a, there's a root, there's an origin of fatherhood in Scripture. We have our Heavenly Father, but then there's another father in Scripture, and that's Father Abraham. So we're talking in the car, and I'm just like, I just I don't know what... I have this word, you know, that God wants to give. I believe that for the house. And so Gabriel says, well, why don't you just call it just one word? And I was like, yeah, just one word. Can somebody say that? Just one word. See, that's going to preach right there. Just one word. And so I get in here, walk in, give a hug to, 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 to Pastor Ed. Is that right? Pastor Ed? I want to use the right titles here. Elder Ed, Minister Ed, Man of God Ed, Husband Ed, Father Ed, Father Abraham, Father Ed. And, 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 and Pastor Jeff, and we, we, we hug, and we go into the prayer room, and we're talking, and I said, you know, I told him the story. My son-in-law gave this phrase to me, just one word. And Pastor Jeff pulls out his phone. He goes, you won't believe it. All right, I want to ask. I have, a, I have a question. We had a worship song, the very first worship song of the service today. Does anyone know the opening line? Just one word. He pulls out his phone. He goes, you won't believe this. He said the first line of the first song of today's worship service is just one word. That's when you know. Come on, somebody. So we're sitting here. Drive, we're driving in the car, and he says, why don't you just call it just one word? Yeah, just one word. That resonates. They walk in, talk to Jeff, and he says, what's the, fir what's the first line of the first song? Just one word. All of a sudden, we realize there's a synchronicity in the spirit. Come on, somebody. I was watching the worship team, and if you just had just the bass playing and nobody else playing, it'd be nice, you know, just a bass line, boom, 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 boom. Or if you just had the guitar, or just the drums. But when you start putting it all together, there's this symphonic sound. There's this synchronicity that takes place. And it's beautiful when you get together and that begins to happen because you realize that you've just kind of happened to step into a God moment. You're in a, in a sequence of God moments. I was in the worship. This was my first thought. And I think I'm going to get to my verse. We'll see. When I get in here, y'all mess me up sometimes. Because <laughs> there's just like this pole. 
Somebody just pull, come on, pull. You just place a demand on the anointing. You just turn the switch, light comes on. I was in the worship, standing right here between y'all, you and you, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about this house. I think I'm going to get to my scripture. And he told me, he said, this house is a nation. I've never heard that before. This house is a nation. And then I started thinking about, well, what is a nation made up of? Of tribes. And what are tribes made up of? Of families. And there's something about, in the Hebrew, it's the word G-O-I, goy, nation. When a nation comes together, one of the things that you can identify that makes a nation a nation is one language, is language. One of the things I heard in the worship, in the midst of all that I was hearing in the worship, was this undertone of a heavenly language in the atmosphere of worship. It was like, it was like a three-dimensional thing that was going on in here. There was this undertone of this heavenly language. People were just praying in their heavenly language. And then there's the worship team worshiping. And then the sound of, I heard the sound of angels. And it was spoken in, in our prayer time. There's a fire angels in this room. And there was this tone of this angelic flow that was going on. And it reminded me of Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1, where it says there's a prayer of, of Habakkuk the prophet upon a Shijionoth. And a Shijionoth, what's a Shijionoth? That's a strange scripture. What's a Shijionoth? A Shijionoth is a, a song. It's an erratic song in the rhythm of threes. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Well, how does God work? Way, truth, life. Righteousness, peace, joy. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Outer court, holy place, most holy place. I mean, you start going through the threes of Scripture. Come on, somebody. And you all of a sudden realize, one, two, three. And you're in this atmosphere, but it's an erratic sound where Habakkuk enters in, and he enters this atmosphere of worship. But it's a shijionoth, and it doesn't make sense to the natural ear. You see, I believe when we get to heaven, heaven is outside of time. In the earth, we have time, and we have timing, and when we hear timing, it makes sense. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. We, have our, we throw down our bars. But in heaven, I believe if we heard the worship of heaven, it would sound erratic to us. The scripture describes it as the sound and the voice of many waters. And so all of a sudden, it's just like this crashing waters where you have this stuff going on and this worship's going on. And Habakkuk gets into this atmosphere of a shijionoth. And he begins to, in the worship, begins to pray. And he begins to pray this prayer. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. God, would you renew them in our day? You see, 
What is your prayer when you get into the atmosphere of his presence? Whoo! Because when you get into his presence, it's going to not make sense. But you're going to feel shalom. And you're going to feel love, agape. And you're going to feel this overwhelming sense of, of, of joy that's going to flood your soul. And what do you say when you get into his presence? God, I heard what you did for Moses. I heard what you did for Joshua. I heard what you did for Ruth. Come on, somebody. I heard what you did through the Apostle Paul and through Peter and John. God, that's nice, but God, I don't want to just hear about it. I don't want to just say it happened and it's going to happen. I want to say it's happening now. Right now. Okay, let me try and read this verse and see if we can tie this together. I got a word that seemed absurd. But when I heard, a shift occurred, and I found myself in the place that God preferred. Do you need to hear that again? Because we're talking about just one word. Somebody say just one word. Come on, somebody shout it. Just one word. Come on, get your finger up. This is your prophetic bony finger. And just say just one word. Don't slap somebody in the head in front of you, but say just one word. Just one word. So I got just one word, and it seemed absurd. But when I heard, a shift occurred, and I found myself in the place that God preferred. Not necessarily what I thought. How I thought it was going to work out but what he intended. Woo. What he desired all along. So then I realized that there's some things I had to go through in order to get to. And I can't go over it. I can't go under it. I have to go through it in order to get to it. And then I realized that what has happened had to happen so that what is about to happen can happen. So we go to Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1. One verse. One verse, one word. Are you ready for this? Woo! The presence of God's in this room. I'm going to prophetically preach to you right now. I already started. And then we're going to see what happens. I'm going to, here's, here's what I'm going to do, in fact. I'm going to, we're going to read a word. We're going to pray. We're going to make a prophetic declaration. I'm going to nerd out with you just for a moment and give you some biblical context, okay? And then we'll see what happens. Is that all right? Okay. Stand with me. Genesis 15.1. We like to stand for the reading of the word in honor of God's holy word. Amen? I like you all. I'm just going to be honest. I love you all. This is like family. I mean, some of you have maybe never seen me before. I'm, I'm, your, I'm the white boy that's part of the family, all right? <laughs> it's just all there's to it. So you're going to have to just put up with me, okay? Um, and, and I am from the hood, so it could slip out once in a while. 
and I'm definitely from the hood upstairs. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done in earth as it is in heaven, as it is. I'm from the as it is hood. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, after these things, somebody say after these things. The word of the Lord came saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. After these things, the word of the Lord came saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great Reward. Somebody just lift up your hands. I'm going to pray a Dr. Violet Kitely prayer. You don't know who she is. She's my grandmother. She passed in 2015. She was 90 years of age. She was water baptized by a woman named Amy Simple McPherson. She grew up around this dude named Smith Wigglesworth. She started 13 churches. She planted Bible colleges that planted thousands of churches in China, over 5,000 churches in Africa. She was wild. She was a woman preacher when women preachers were not supposed to be women preachers, but she did it anyway. So I'm going to pray a Dr. Violet Kitely prayer. Because, and I'm, and I'm saying this because when I was a child, <laughs> she had some kind of connection, I'll tell you. There was a person in a wheelchair, and I'm sitting there watching her pray, and she walks up to this person to pray, and you think she's going to pray, you know, this sweeping prayer. And she just prayed and says, in Jesus' name, get up. And pulled them by the hand. And they walked around the sanctuary. And I'm a child. I'm going, whoa. Would you renew them in our day? So I'm going to pray her prayer. Ready? Are you ready? Help in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, get your prophetic phony finger out. That's all she would say. Help. Sometimes you don't have an articulation. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you don't have, a, have time to get into a bunch of words and, 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 and be linguistic and wax eloquent. Sometimes all you can do is just say, help. I lift my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. Now, get your prophetic bony finger out and point it in somebody's face and tell them your short-term, temporary pain has caused you to obtain an anointing oil that cannot be contained. It's a whole nother level. And I thank God that he used the devil to give me double for my trouble. Thank God for the struggle. Amen. Be seated. Be seated. Your short-term temporary pain has caused you to obtain an anointing oil that cannot be contained. It's a whole nother level. And I thank God that he used the devil to give you double for your trouble. Somebody say, thank God for the struggle. Thank God for the struggle. Thank God for the struggle. Woo, thank God in every season. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I can't stop it. I just got to keep praising him. 
In fact, why don't we practice that now for about 10 seconds? Come on, just thank him right now. Come on. I bless the Lord at all times. Come on, somebody just bless him. I bless the Lord at all times. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Some people, you're going around, you're just, you just seem people think you're talking to yourself. You're not. You're not talking to yourself. You're just saying, I'll bless the Lord at all times. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. This thing ought to be happy and joyful. This walk with Jesus, come on, somebody. It doesn't have to be woeful. We don't have to look like everybody else, depressed, compressed, oppressed, whatever pressed. But we walk around with the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Can I encourage somebody? So, so, so when you walk around, don't, don't, don't look like everybody else. We might go through the same thing other people go through, but we have a hope that lies within us. Come on, somebody. So be ready to give an answer for that. Be ready, be ready to step into that. Be ready to move into that. Um, in, in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1, we find the beginning of God speaking his covenant to, to Abram. And it's a very interesting thing because there's these three words right here in this scripture that's very interesting where it says, after these things. Can somebody say that? After these things. Now, how many in this room have a story? Okay, you have a story, right? But how many of you in this room have a story? A testimony. How God took you out of darkness and he brought you into his marvelous light. How many have a story? How many have a testimony? We overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we love not our lives even unto the death. There's something powerful about your testimony. There's some people in this room, I can look at you. If we started hearing your testimony, you shouldn't be here right now. You shouldn't be alive right now. You probably should be six feet under right now. There's other people in this room. You probably should be incarcerated right now. But by the grace of God, you are who you are. Come on, somebody. And you are where you are because of the grace of God. Can somebody say yes? The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Can somebody say so in this room? Can somebody say so? Can somebody say God has brought me a mighty long way? And so here's this phrase. It says, after these things. And to me, when I look at that phrase, I think, well, that makes me ask a question. What things? What things? And you look in the story of Abram, and you realize that God, this is a hinge moment. Because if there is an after, there's also a before. And sometimes you have to sit back and you got to think about what God has done in your life and how he's worked in your life. And you look at the story, well, what things took place?
place in Abram's life? Well, we know in Genesis chapter 11 at the end and then the beginning of Genesis chapter 12 that, that Abram, he, God, God, God brought him out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldees and he brought him out of the land of Haran, which is the name of his brother, and he brought, which is the, was the father of Lot. And then he brought him to a place in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 where he says, get out of your comfort zone, Abram. Get out of your father's land, Abram. And what I want you to do is I want you to go to a place. I want you to get up, get your stuff, and go to a place that I will tell you to go to. Now, usually if you're going to go on a journey, you pull out maps, and it tells you every single turn of the way. Well, that's not how God works sometimes. Because this journey is... Come on, somebody, not by sight, but it's by faith, because that's how we walk, by faith and not by sight. And so God says, Abram, what I want you to do is I want you to get up, and I want you to go, and I want you to just go. And so the Bible says he went out, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, he went out not knowing where he was going, but he was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Now, husbands in this room, if you told your wife, pack the stuff, pack the house, get everything ready, we're leaving, what's the first question she's going to ask? Where are we going? <laughs> Can you imagine? Abram, I don't know. She's going to, I mean, come on. She's going to look at you like you're nuts. Wait, you don't know where we're going? <laughs> Excuse me. I love you. You've been a good husband. But you cray cray. <laughs> you're saying we're going, but we don't know where? And he said, yeah. Why? Because I got a word. Somebody's going to catch on. I got a word that seemed absurd. But when I heard, a shift occurred. And I found myself in the place that God preferred. And what I'm going to do as you go, he says in verse 2 of 12, is I'm going to make you a great nation. There it is. Freedom. You're a nation. And I'm going to bless you. And out of you, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. And I'm going to curse those who curse you. I got your back, says the Lord. So the Bible says he picked up his stuff. And they went. And they went. And they didn't know where they were going. But they started going. You see, it's in the going where you get the revelation of where you're going. Can I get a witness? It's in the going. It's in the movement. It's in the faith. It's stepping up and saying, I don't know. I'm called to be a prophet to the nation, so give me a broom. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Let me go clean the restroom. Come on, somebody. 
Because I'm going to make room for what God wants to do in my life. And the only thing I know how to do is serve my way there. That's the only thing I know how to do. How are you going to get from A to Z? Serve your way there. If God gave you a word, that seemed absurd. Guess what, baby? Serve your way there. And so here's Abram, and all he knows to do in the journey, he gets to a place called Shechem. The first place he lands is Shechem. And what does he do? What do you do when you land in a place that you know is just a stepping stone in your journey to where God has for you? What do you do? The Bible says in Genesis 12, he built an altar. The whole thematic life of Abram was he was an altar builder. In fact, Matthew chapter 1 starts out, and it says, this is, the, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Well, David always represented the throne. And Abram or Abraham represented the altar. So Jesus was the son of a man from the throne and also understood the altar. But whenever Abram, Abraham, Abram stepped into a place, he built an altar. I want you to hear this. What do you do in every step in your journey? You learn how to worship. He said, God, I'm going to worship you all the way there. All the way through. There's something about altar builders. What is the next place he goes to in Genesis 12? He goes from Shechem and he lands in a place that is called, it's in between Bethel, Bethel, and, and, and Shechem. I mean, Ai, excuse me, and Ai. Where are you in Shechem? Bethel and Ai. Well, what does that mean? Bethel means house of God. What does Ai mean? It means a heap of ruins. What do you do when you're landing in an in-between place between the house of God and a heap of ruins. You build an altar. He built an altar. And that is the very first phrase in the scripture in Genesis 12, where scripture says that man called upon the name of the Lord. In that place, in the in-between place, he called on the name of the Lord. What do you do in the in-between place? What do you do? Come on, somebody. When you're in a place where it could go one way or it can go another, he built an altar. He worshiped and called on the name of the Lord. I'm talking about what has happened, what happened. And so you go along in this journey. He leaves the land of his comfort zone. He lands down in Egypt for a moment. He comes back out of Egypt. And then in chapter 13, the scripture says that he had his son, his, 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 his nephew, Lot with him. And his lot, there was too many people in Lot's world, and there was too many people in Abram's world. And so they said, Abram said to him, he said, you know what? You go one way and I'll go another. I want you to hear this. He says, you go one way, I'll go another. And so he says to Lot, choose whatever direction you want to go in. And so Lot's like, 
oh, I like it over there. No, I don't like it over there. It's kind of dry. That doesn't look too good to me. Over here near Sodom, it looks lush. It looks beautiful. And so Lot says, see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. And leaves Abram. And the scripture says, watch this. It says about Abram. And Lot separated. And when Lot separated from Abram, and that's verse 14 of Genesis 13, and after Lot had separated from him, God spoke. Come on, somebody. Now, it's interesting because that word separated means a, 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 a separation that creates a breakthrough. You see, in your journey, sometimes God has to bring some separations. There's two amens in this room. Okay. But those are the two people who understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes God allows you to go through separations that create breakthrough. Not everybody is supposed to be a part of your journey. Not everyone is going where you're going. They can't go with you. And if they went with you, it would hold up what God wants to do. And so God says sometimes, sometimes in order to get the breakthrough that you've been looking for, guess what? This guy Lot had to go because Lot means veiled. And so his sight was veiled. His eyes were veiled. He could not see clearly. And, and he could not understand your vision. And so guess what? The moment that Lot separates from him, he gets a breakthrough. And God says to him, lift up your eyes, freedom, fellowship, church. Lift up your eyes, look north, look south, look east, look west. For as far as your eyes can see, I have given this territory to you. Can I talk to somebody up in here? You see, sometimes God will come and he'll give you just one word. And all of a sudden, everything will begin to make sense. And so he speaks this word, and Abram, he looks at this land, he steps into this land, and it's not that beautiful. There are enemies in this land, and it doesn't look that great. But there was a thing upon Abram's life, and I'm just setting something. I told you I was going to nerd out for a minute, and then we're going to see what happens. So you with me? <laughs> Sometimes God will let you get to a place where you step into a place where he says, this is your inheritance. And you're sitting there going, that's my inheritance? Can anything good come out of San Angelo? Come and see. Come and see. This is my inheritance? I mean, over there where Lot went, there's rivers and there's valleys and there's mountains and it looks wonderful and... It's beautiful and it's lush. Over here, it's dry and it's barren and it's desert and it's wilderness and it's dust. That's the moment where you look at the situation. You could say, God, what's up? I went out on one word. What's up? You see, I'm not trying to paint a picture that everything is just beautiful all of a sudden. Sometimes you have to go through it again to get to it. But it's amazing because Abram didn't say, God, what's up? He just said, okay. 
He had that Joshua thing. Every place on which the sole of my foot treads, he's given it to me. And I got this thing upon my life called the blessing of Abraham. And guess what happens when I have the blessing of Abraham? Huh. Before I step onto this land, it was dry. It didn't produce. But the moment, because of the blessing of God on my life, I step onto this territory, the atmosphere changes. Come on, somebody. The land changes. What couldn't produce, all of a sudden produces. Where rain used to go around us, rain comes to us. Come on now. And all of a sudden, the seasons change. Everything changes. Nature changes because of the blessing that's upon Abraham, where before you put in a seed and it just died in the ground, but you put in a seed now and it brings forth fruit. We go to Israel. And when you go to Israel, it's very interesting because there's a huge contrast on the same street. You go to one side where I'll call the non-Israelites live. And it's dry and it's barren. Is that right? You go to the other side of the street because of the natural Israel, the, the blessing of Abraham. It's lush. There's trees. There's flowers. It's like a garden. This is today. This is not 4,000 years ago. This is today. Because of the blessing of Abraham, there's something that works. And if you're in Christ, you have received the blessing of Abraham. So guess what, baby? You need to walk around with a different mindset. I'm the head, and I'm not the tail. I'm above only, and I'm not beneath. This is not cockiness. This is Godfidence. Where I walk around and realize greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And guess what? When I step into the office, when I step into work, when I step onto the campus, when I go into my neighborhood, there is a blessing of Abraham that is upon my life and everyone that comes in what proximity of the anointing and blessing that's on my life is going to be blessed. And so I could be in prison, in Philippi, locked up, in a jail, bound with my hands and fetters on my feet, and I begin to worship, and all of a sudden when I worship at the midnight hour, I feel like preaching up in here for some reason. I begin to worship when it's darkest. Somebody's catching what I'm saying. I begin to worship bound in that place, and when I begin to worship, the earth begins to shake. And the chains begin to break. And the prison doors begin to open up. But not only do I experience that, but everybody else in the cell blocks, in the prison, their chains begin to break. Woo! Their fetters begin to break. Their doors begin to open. 
Why? Because in the proximity of my praise, I got to talk to somebody here. When I begin to worship God, all of a sudden, everybody else is affected because of the blessing of Abraham. That's all my life. So watch this. Watch this. Here it is. So there's a lot of things that happen. He meets Melchizedek. He, 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 he he delivers Lot. He does all these things after these things. A whole lot of things. There's precursors. There's prerequisites. There's prerequisite experiences. There's prerequisite moments in your journey that lead you. There's prerequisite classrooms in the spirit that lead you to particular moments where God says it's graduation day. You have done a lot, been through a lot, have exercised your faith a lot, and I'm proud of you, says the Lord. But I'm about to, like Emerald, kick it up another notch. After these things, you've seen God do mighty things and move in mighty ways. But that ain't nothing yet, baby. You ain't seen nothing yet. And then all of a sudden it says this, after these things. And then we have this very interesting phrase, this first mention, this first revealing of an attribute of God in Scripture where it says, and the word of the Lord came. I want you to hear this. After these things, can I break some Hebrew down? Then we're going to just move. Because <laughs> it's about to get hot up in here. Because I feel the fire. If there are fire angels and there's Holy Ghost Pentecost fire, there's fire. And I feel like a Holy Ghost arsonist right now, okay? <laughs> so we're just going to light some fires up in here. And, 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 so, and so, so look at this. I want you to break this down. After these things, after these things, these things is the Hebrew word debar. Somebody say debar. Debar means word, the word. But now we're in the plural sense where really he's saying after these words. Catch this. Because your life is not just a sequence of stories. It's a sequence of words. And so when you tell your story, you use what? Words. So after these words, watch this. It says this. Watch this. It's crazy in the Hebrew. It's <laughs> the word of the Lord came saying. Watch this. Somebody say this with me. The word of the Lord came saying. Watch this. Watch this. The word of the Lord came saying. This is the first appearance in the scripture. The word of the Lord came is a name of God. Debar Yahweh. <laughs> Debar Yahweh. Now, before I get into that, let me tell you how it goes. It's Debar. It's Debar. Debar Yahweh. Haya. The word of the Lord came after these things. The word of the Lord came came saying, Debar, Debar Yahweh, Hayah. 
Debar, Debar Yahweh, Haya. Now, what is the very first word that God spoke when he created the heavens and the earth? Haya. Let there be is the Hebrew word. I got to feel like I feel like Bruce Lee. Haya. Can somebody get your prophetic hand up now? Your prophetic karate chop? And say, hi-ya. Let there be. I told you I was going to nerd out with you for a moment. Hi-ya. So the word of the Lord came. Well, let's first of all, after these things, the word of the Lord came. Let there be. The creative because you're about to step into something here. Language of God is birthed through Haya. Let there be ex nihilo. Out of nothing comes forth everything. <laughs> so then I can begin like Abram. And speak to those things that are not as though they are. Hi. Yeah. Debar. Debar Yahweh. Hi. Yeah. Debar Yahweh. Can I throw this down? Just one. Debar Yahweh. It's one thing to have a Debar. Come on, somebody. A day bar is a word. It's another thing to have a day bar, Yahweh. Because day bar is a word that is spoken. Woo! But day bar, Yahweh, is a word that arrives. It's not just a given word. It's a personified word. The word comes. Emmanuel comes. God with us comes. The word in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. And moved into the neighborhood. Somebody's catching what I'm saying. Whoo, his name is Jesus. Debar, Yahweh. It's the first appearance of it. And I had to write this down just to nerd out with you because you're about to move into a creative atmosphere. God's about to release another dimension of creative miracles. You had Miracle Sunday. And I watched that and I was like, tell them this. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Tell them this. I've only just begun. Tell them this. Ask them this. How many miracles does it take to change San Angelo? How many words does it take to change San Angelo? Just one Word. How many words does it take to change Texas? How many words does it take to change America? Just one word.
How many words does it take to change the earth? Just one word. How many words does it take to change your life? So Debar Yahweh, watch this. You ready for this? Means this. It means to formalize, to establish, to pronounce, and to set a divine, divine definition of a person, place, or thing. Did you hear that? A Debar Yahweh is the act of formalizing, pronouncing, establishing, and setting into motion a definition given from God about a person, place, or thing. So when God speaks His Word, that's one thing, and it's great. But when He comes as His Word, He begins to establish some things. Woo! He begins to set some things into motion. And the word of the Lord for this house is this. I'm setting some things into motion. <laughs> Watch this. I can't even get into all this verse. This verse is cray-cray. Because you start looking and, and, and it says God brought him out of a tent. And he said, look up. And the word brought in the Hebrew actually means the, the spout. <laughs> you know, like a spout of a hose? To bring him out of the tent means he brought him out of a spout. And then to look up means the issue of water. And what is water? It's the debar. It's the word. Because he washes us with the water of the word. And so when he looks up into the heavens to see the stars, he's actually looking into a well. He's looking into a river. He's looking into a flow of word that's being released. But I can't get to that. Because it's just too much nerd. <laughs> but when the Debar Yahweh shows up, come on somebody, closing my notes because I don't want to look at this stuff. When the day bar Yahweh shows up, all of a sudden, you move into a place where the word is not just spoken, the word comes alive. And God says in this house, I'm about to set some things into motion. What has been, I want you to hear this, thus says the Lord, I'll put that right there. I speak and I declare that things that have been, seem like they've been held back, seems, things, things that seem like they've been hindered. Things that seem like we've seen a measure of it, but not the fullness of it, are about to be released. I'm about to release prophetic words and promises and declarations that have been spoken over this region. This region is going to be known as a region that is set in motion in the kingdom of God. It's going to be a place that not only the state of Texas is going to look at, but the United States is going to look out because they are going to ask the question, can anything good come out of San Angelo? But before they even ask that, they're going to say, what's San Angelo? Where's San Angelo? Never heard of San Angelo. But God says, I'm going to cause this, 
region to be known as a place not only for, 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 for blind eyes to be healed and deaf ears to be opened and cancer to be healed, but also for the dead to be raised. I felt this strong anointing, and I'm not going to keep on going with the everlasting gospel, but I felt the strong anointing that there is a dead raising anointing in this house and in this region. And somebody needs to grab on to that because it's powerful what God wants to do. I was in China, and I'll close with this, and then I'm just going to flow a little prophetically here. That's okay. I think I'm flowing prophetically already. If you catch what's happening, you're going to have to go back and listen to this and take it in because he's talking all this nerd language, but there's something in the nerd language. There's something in the Hebrew. The Holy Spirit's in the details, not the devil. I was in China at a conference with 5,000 leaders representing 130 million church, uh, Christians in the underground church. And we're at Starbucks in a break. We're laying hands. We're prophesying all day long. Meetings going 14 hours a day. People there three hours before the meeting praying. Three hours before the service praying. Three hours before the service praying. Three hours before the service praying. And then you come and you have to bring them a word. <laughs> the atmosphere's already set. And we're taking a break in the afternoon and we go into Starbucks. And we're sitting there and they bring this young lady. <laughs> have you heard the story? Hear it again. So I don't know where I told this story. But they bring this lady. She looks like about 14, 15 years of age. And like, we want you to tell, she wants to, you know, we want her to tell the testimony, her testimony. And so she tells her testimony. And she says, well, I got saved. I'm 19 years of age. And I got saved when I was 13. And I was having issues with God because I got saved so late in life. And she says, I got a New Testament. And I read the New Testament three times through. And I couldn't see that there were any funerals that, where they buried people. All I could see was this word was resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. So I figured that's how this works with Jesus. And so she said, at this point to the day that we met her, she had raised over 50-something people from the dead. Nineteen. I'm sitting there going, I don't even feel like I'm saved right now. <laughs> and we're like, just what you, I mean, 50-something people raised from the dead. And she's the pastor of 3,300 people. 19, how did her church grow? Resurrections. She didn't go to a church growth seminar <laughs> and learn how to be seeker-friendly and tell you you're going to have your best life now. No, 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 no. She got up 
And she just started raising people from the dead. 50-something people. I don't know, 51, 52 people from the dead. And we were sitting there going, oh, my goodness, 19 years of age, pastor of 3,300 people, 50-something people raised from the dead. Whoa, this is amazing. And she's shaking her head. And she said, no, it's not. She said, I come from a town of 3,800 people, and still 500 people have not come to Jesus yet. Her priorities were different. I want you to lift up your hands. Because there's word in this room. Debar Yahweh is here himself with the word of activation. And activation turns into acceleration in demonstration because of an impartation that's happening through Debar Yahweh. And he arrives now. He comes and he speaks and he releases a fresh anointing in this house and he sets things into motion. In Acts chapter 4, in the room where they were all seated, the Bible says the room was shaken. And the word shaken in the Greek means set into motion. And so right now, the Holy Spirit, woo, Debar Yahweh, comes in this room and he sets this house into motion. Listen to the prophetic word. He sets your anointing into a place of activation. No more dormancy, says the Spirit of the Lord. You're going to move in signs and wonders and miracles and salvations woo, and families saved and streets saved woo, and cities transformed. Isaiah asked the question, can a, can, can a nation be saved in a day? Woo! And God comes now, day by Yahweh. He himself, the word, comes and sets your life and this house and this nation into motion starting now. After these things, the word of the Lord came saying, he speaks his word and he releases you right Every time I get into this house, I hear it. 